sport you care about, we're talking about it. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Welcome to the Full Court Press. AJ and I filling in for the Eric Franson. AJ with me. And how's quarantine treating you, buddy? <laughs> AJ, if you're talking, can you put me into programming, my love? What's up, my man? How are we? Oh, you know, just uh, ruining this show, you know. Typically, I get to do it in face-to-face, but with Eric dealing with an emergency, now I get to do it from behind the board, which is probably a dangerous place I should never be able to do it from. Okay. (laughs) How are you doing in quarantine? Well, good. (laughs) By the way, I have no idea if you're talking or not. Do you want me to talk or do you want to talk? Oh, wait, so you're not on air? (laughs) Apologies for that. uh, It's the first time running the board. Crap, now I can't hear you again. Uh, this ought to be fun. He can't hear me. This is where I miss Eric. I, I love you, but I miss Eric, too. That's just, this is so hard because we don't have each other. Um, so, hey, well, I'll start off. That's not feeding. He'll be back with us for the 5 o'clock hour. So it's AJ Knight, co-host of uh, the wonderful VFX Morning Show from 6 a.m. to uh, 10 a.m., Monday through Friday with McCall Taylor. Uh, those two do a spectacular job, uh, along with producer Butters, always impressed with their great work. Uh, but uh, this is, uh, you know, it's been an interesting playoff so far with baseball. We'll start off with that. Uh, last night, the Dodgers absolutely just, just, I don't know you know what to say, I mean, it was 15 to one in the third inning. What what an absolute mess this was for as as a Braves fan like I am. Uh, I had I haven't wanted to break anything for so long, and I, I think uh, I probably broke a couple of things yesterday. But uh, what an incredible performance by the uh, LA Dodgers yesterday, AJ. Yeah, I mean they really did uh, score a ton of runs, which. Is probably a good sign. I think you could see it coming because against the Braves, those last few games, it seemed to get close late. Um, but obviously, you would hope that they could pick up some confidence if you're a, a Dodgers fan that they do- thoroughly dominated the game. But I think ultimately, I think Matt said it best last night on our broadcast uh, for Mountain Crest, is that it, it showed you even in a series, it doesn't matter how many points you win one game by, the Braves win a game by one, they win a game, the Dodgers do by 14. It's still just one game. Uh, the, uh, though I think it gives you hope if you're a Dodgers fan, tonight is a big one because if they can put it to 2-2, basically the series starts all over again and it really hadn't gone their way to start with. 
No, that's that, that's a great point. It's just it was just crazy to see the Dodgers actually get into that hitting mode. I mean, look, it, it's one thing to give up. 11 runs, but there's like four or five errors in between, right? I mean, especially in one inning, there's got to be at least three to four errors, and there wasn't. It was all just completely dominance in the hitting. Um, you had, uh, I mean, I mean, your starter comes in and just absolutely gets lit up for, I, I, don't, even know, I don't even remember how many runs he gave up in his, I mean, he faced nine batters, if I'm not mistaken, um, and he gave up, I'm going to look this up so I don't lie to you guys, not that I really want to look at it anyways, but it was Kyle Wright, he goes in there in just two-thirds of an inning, five hits, seven runs, and all earned uh, with two walks. He throws 28 pitches, and he gives up seven runs, and all of them are earned. You want to talk about, like, you're throwing strikes, but when you tell a kid to throw strikes, you say, hey, whatever you do, don't put it down the middle, and don't put it where they're going to put it out into uh, someone's backyard. And Kyle Wright did that. In 28 pitches, he gave up seven runs, five hits. Like, that just, that's bad pitching, man. That's, that's, and by the way, his ERA right now, <laughs> you ready for this? 94.50. <laughs> Give me some kind of record, right? I mean, I'm sure there's worse. It's got to be. There's probably pitchers who haven't even recorded it out, and technically their ERA would be infinity, but that's that's atrocious. <laughs> You'd be offended anyway. <laughs> well, I mean, this is just horrible, man. And then they bring Dayton in, and Dayton's his only job is to, hey, get us through at least three innings of baseball here. Get us through three. Well, he gets him through two. But in those two innings, he gives up eight runs, all earned, eight hits, one walk, and two Ks. And, by the way, three home runs, which is one more than what Kyle Wright gave up. I mean, it was just, it was, again, just putting breaking balls right in the meat house, putting fastballs right in the wheelhouse. It was, and there was little defense to be played. There wasn't any defense needed because it was just, I remember, AJ, when we were playing Viewmont when I was coaching Green Cannon, and we're at Smith's Ballpark. And, uh, <laughs> and we're, I mean, we're getting crushed at this point. We're down like 15 to nothing, I think. Uh, Viewmont ended up being one of those semifinal squads in their, in their class. Really well coached team, really good ball team. And, uh, <laughs> I go, I think it was between the third and fourth inning. I go to my center fielder and say, hey, why don't you adjust, uh, about, uh, 20 feet this way? And he says, you want me to? And I said, yeah, I do it. Who cares? So he does, and then they just start pounding it the other way, and uh, and absolutely just light him up. Going, you know, they light up our pitcher, and they and they push it towards the opposite where where he just was. And I go to our center fielder in between the next inning, and I say, "Dude, my bad. I it, it's my mistake. I was just late." He goes, "Dude, there's nothing you can do." He says, "They're just pissing all over it," and that's what the Dodgers did yesterday. They pissed all over the baseball last night. <laughs> Yeah, and I think that's something to keep in, in mind. I mean, yeah, they crushed them, but it's still it's not like all of a sudden the Braves made up a two-game deficit. That's where it'll be interesting to see the inexperience of Atlanta versus the experience of the Dodgers. Uh, does Atlanta let it get to them, and all of a sudden the series starts to slip away, or do they just do what they should do? And you know, last night was a lost cause. It was done. We're still up 2-1. Let's get this one and take command of the series. Yeah, and uh, that's it's, this is why Game 4 is so pivotal. Yeah. For that very reason, AJ. If the Braves win, they're right back in control, commanding 3-1 to 3 uh, games to 1 series lead with a fourth one, one more to win, and you're in the, wor uh, in the World Series. If you're a Dodgers guy, you win this game, 
we are right back to where we started split even no one has an advantage anymore if we win this game no one you're right back to being split even that is why game four tonight is so pivotal and of course that is why aj they're going to be throwing none other than clayton kershaw tonight for the dodgers um which i mean i'm not at all surprised bryce wilson will go uh for the uh braves this is going to be a unique pitching matchup, if you will, based on the contrast styles between the two guys. But also, I mean, can you just can you calm the bats down of the Dodgers? And by the way, it, it kind of leaked into the night before when the Braves were up eight to three, and then all of a sudden we're up eight to seven, still in the ninth inning. Um, so, uh, yeah, interesting. Uh, it, it'll be it's a big game for the Braves tonight. I think it's a bigger game for the Braves tonight than it's the Dodgers. Um, and, uh, again, if you can calm those hot bats of the Dodgers down, I give the Braves, uh, I give the Braves a win, but man, that's easier said than done right now. This is impressive by the Dodgers. Yeah, I think you saw the offensive explosion coming just because of the way, I think the Dodgers made it interesting in game one, too, but definitely that explosion in game two to make it way tighter than really the whole rest of the game was. Um, what, what is your opinion of Clayton Kershaw since, you know, we're on him, you know, cause his, his reputation is, outstanding in the regular season, choker in the postseason. What's your opinion of him? Yeah, I mean, what do they, they call Paul George, right? Uh, playoff P is now Pandemic P. Yeah. Uh, playoff Rondo, right? There's guys who are great in the regular season and bad in the postseason. There's guys who are like Peyton Manning was honestly one of those guys, great in the regular season, bad in the postseason. John Elway was one of those guys. Um, Kershaw is also one of those guys. I don't take one good serious performance of his career that he actually played well and say, oh, yeah, yeah, he's definitely ready for playoff mode. I don't do that. I think he's got to prove more. I think tonight would really help with his team badly needing him to pitch well so they can get even in this series and give them a chance. Um, we're, but I don't think he's the playoff masterful pitcher that everyone says he is. Well, the interesting thing is, so you would you would make the argument, obviously, if he is – if he is that guy, the guy that struggles under the playoff lights, oh boy, you picked a terrible situation to put him in because you play him game one, you play him game two, even if they lose game one. I mean, there's going to be pressure on him if he loses game uh, game one and you put him in game two. But, man, you put him in this series. This seri this game tonight, I think, decides it, as you said. If you tie, it's a new series. If you lose, it seems like it's almost a foregone conclusion. It's not technically, but if you're down 3-1 – it's it's the statistics would support that the Dodgers are all but eliminated. Oh, I want to be careful as a Braves fan. I'm I'm not doing it. I'm not falling for your I'm not falling for your trap, AJ. <laughs> uh, I I I am going to see this series all the way through. We are up three one. We still have one more to win. Uh, if we are, um, if we're tied at two, I'm going to see the series through. Uh, with a towel in my mouth, maybe in a bar of soap uh, sitting next to me to get ready to put in my mouth if I use any bad words. But <laughs> I just, man, I, I, this series is far from over. Even when we were up 2-0, I still feel like it was far from over. Now, AJ, I did yesterday on a show that I guarantee a Game 4 win, and I'm Ooh. still sticking with it. I'm confident that we can still win Game 4. So you're hedging and, your bets then. You're saying that no matter what, you guarantee the game four win, but even afterwards you're going to be gracious in victory. Be like, look, look, tell it's over. It's not over. <laughs> Have you ever seen Major League? <laughs> yes. It's classic. That, that, <laughs> the fan in the stands, the, the bandwagon guy. Yeah. 
It's over. It's Knock over. It Back him up. Butt. Here comes the wild thing. Wild. The throw your arm and sting cheesy. I love that movie. Yeah, that's me. That's, that's me. That's absolutely me. <laughs> okay, so how about the other series then? I, I think I speak for most people in baseball when I say, please, for the love of all that is holy, Tampa, <laughs> knock off the Astros. <laughs> Now, now, be careful. I think if my regular guy's listening, he's a big Houston Astros fan. Ooh, look, he might be confident right now. Look, as a lifelong Cubs fan, I can understand cheering for a team that has dealt with that at least stretch of ineptitude that Houston went through to build up the farm system all that. Though Houston won the series not that long ago, so they've had success. Bottom line is, bunch of cheaters. So, I don't want them in the World Series. I mean, that's, that's where we're at. Well, right now, uh, yeah, right now, I mean, look, Astros won last night's game. We are tied at one with the, in the bottom of the third with a man on first. Um, this is uh, obviously a must-win game for Houston Astros. That's obvious. But I think this is where the Astros play the best, too, when their back is against the wall, when they, are, when they have to win. By the way, now we have two men on in the bottom of the third. Who's the home team in this series? Is it the Astros? No, uh, the Rays came in as the one seed. Okay, so they're the home team. Yeah, I guess they are the home team tonight, aren't they? Uh, yeah, so the Rays uh, right now have a man on second and third with no out and tied at one. So they're uh, looking to do some damage here in this inning and get a lead. Uh, I'm Man, I'm nervous. Uh, you know, I'm nervous for the Rays because if you give – like what what I said with the Dodgers, right? You give the like, give life to the Dodgers by winning this game, and even in the series, I don't know if Atlanta gets back into it. But if you give the Astros another game, so where they are down three two in this series, it's almost for them like it's even. It's weird, AJ. But when they are like backs against the wall, they have this like optimistic side that they look at where they say, "Hey, we're only down three two now. We just won back to back games." You know, let's let's go get one more here and see if we can go give this thing a run for our money. Um, I, if you're a Rays fan, you got to win tonight and get this series over with, or else you give life to the Astros. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, obviously, I think coming in, the Rays are a great story, but I think until they do it, most people are kind of like, eh, you know, they they beat the Yankees, but we'll see. I mean. If you wanted to generate fans, which, let's be honest, the Rays need to generate fans, they went about it in a pretty good way because there's plenty of people who hate the Yankees, too. So they are just riding that bandwagon wave there. But I think for the most part, uh, I would agree with you. I think initially probably a lot of people thought the Strohs just because they've been there. There's no denying they're super talented. I think this is their fourth straight ALCS. And then the Rays go out to the 3-0 lead, and I think that kind of takes all the pressure and puts it on Tampa because you're like, all right, well, you got to close this. And then, you know, you lose you lose last night. It's it's tough to eliminate and sweep a team. That's fine. You lose tonight, I'm with you, because all of a sudden I think Tampa, you know, you get the, again, how, much, how does the inexperience of Tampa shake up against the experience of Houston? Houston's been here. Being down is not something that uh, maybe they're unfamiliar with. They can battle back you know, regardless if they have radios under their jerseys or not. And so, I, I, I'm with you. I think if they win tonight, it's it's basically a brand-new series. Yeah, I, I do. I, and, again, you just don't want to give life to this Astros team. That's all they need is just a little bit of daylight. I don't know if they got much daylight from winning yesterday's game, but you give them a ton more if you, if they win today's. Uh, and so this is 
it's weird, but this is almost a must-win for Tampa Bay, more so than it is for Houston, if that makes any sense at all. Well, I mean, I mean, it is, because if they win, they win, but yes. Well, I, let me I, ask you, very critical. let me ask you, AJ, I, I know that there's your ratings that go into NBA, obviously the ratings dropped a lot uh, this season, and, and with the Lakers being in the championship and all, and people just were not interested if Tampa Bay makes this World Series and say you got a, a Tampa Bay, who would be the more sexier opponent for ratings? L.A. or Atlanta? I mean, I think probably, are you talking in terms of like TV ratings? Because that's the case, it's going to be the Dodgers. Yeah, yeah, TV ratings, viewership. Dodgers. I mean, is it the Dodgers? Yeah, I think in baseball, uh, bas- I think in basketball too, football seems kind of, for the most part, most of the teams will draw about the same. There are definitely teams that are obviously more bigger draws, but for baseball, it's big city. So I think if baseball had its way, it would prefer L.A. and Houston. Um, but if Tampa gets in, it's it's still I think L.A. I personally think the more interesting matchup to me is uh, is L.A. and Atlanta, or excuse me, Tampa and Atlanta, just because of uh, you know they broke through, they have a history of of getting close, but no cigar. I think both teams are kind of a lot of no-name guys that nobody knows. I think those are interesting because, I mean, look, I'm against Houston because they got busted cheating. I, I don't think they reserved, deserved or got enough punishment. For the Dodgers, I don't have anything against them. I'm just kind of tired of seeing them there. I'm kind of tired of seeing – I know they traded for Mookie Betts, but to me, like, the Kenley Jansen thing I feel like is their own problem. Kenley Jansen was starting to be a problem last year, and then they were like, nah, we got it, and then he's a problem this year. Like, what? How did we not know that was coming? Hey, what do you do with him in the offseason? I mean, do you, do you trade him? Do you got to get rid of him? I mean, with the way the way that the uh, Dodgers farm system is loaded, if they choose to, <clears throat> they could probably attach something to him and send him somewhere, and hopefully for, for Jansen's sake, it'll be somewhere where he can kind of ride himself. Uh, they seem pretty loyal to him, so I'm kind of curious if they would do that. They've had a lack of of loyalty, I feel like, to a lot of players. But he's only under contract for one more season. Looks like next year he's under contract for $20 million. So uh, if you end up hanging on to him, he's probably a pretty expensive non-closer, but then you just free up all that cash. And then uh, the other guy I want to ask you about, Mookie Betts. Boy, has this guy been great or what for this lineup, especially at the leadoff spot? It's hard enough to go. It's hard enough to be a leadoff batter in Boston, but then you go from Boston to L.A., and you continue to shine. Mookie Betts might be coming, might be coming uh, the next, man, if I dare say it, and i got to be careful, but I, I, he's not Mike Trout, but I think he's on pace to be a Mike Trout somewhere down the line. Uh, I mean, he's pretty great. I don't think of him in the same way that I do Mike Trout. The thing that helps Mookie Betts is he's been on winning teams because that's, that's Trout's problem. Trout yeah. could probably, I mean, has seemingly all the tools, has all the production to be one of the greatest to ever do it, but you just don't see him because the Angels stink. Yeah, I feel bad. And, he, and now he's locked himself in there for 12, 13 more years, whatever it is, and and by then his career is going to be pretty much winding down. At some point he may, just for his legacy, and I don't know where he stands on this, I don't. I haven't heard him do a ton of interviews, but at some point for the sake of his legacy, he may just have to demand a trade because – the Angels just, even with him, cannot figure it out. And it's 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 tarnishing his image in terms of his long-term legacy, his Hall of Fame prospects, all that. Because he 
has clearly done enough to warrant some of this high praise in terms of some of the best players to possibly ever do it. But if you don't do it in the postseason, it's just it's incomplete. Your legacy is just incomplete. Yeah, uh, I think not having that championship, or at least not being on a championship caliber team, yeah. is going to hurt his legacy overall. Although, I mean, it's not entirely his fault. There's nothing he can't throw. I mean, he can't pitch. He can't hit for the other eight guys. So, I mean, there's a lot more that goes into it. But I just think him, that great of a player, never participating in a meaningful, meaningful playoff game, makes me really, really sad. Yeah, I mean, that I could be one of the greatest travesties ever in MLB history. I'm not kidding. Yeah, I, I, you would like to see. I, I mean, I, I think you end up cheering for the guy because he seems to be an outstanding guy. He does everything the right way, and you, you just like to see him get a shot to see if it's if he's the real deal. I don't have doubts, but again, until he plays in the postseason and does it on some of the bigger stages, his legacy is just incomplete. Hey, so uh, just a quick update on the Astros Rays game. Uh, AJ, the Astros are the home team. So we are still in the bottom of the third. Astros are up 3-1. They have a man on first and second now with one out. Ruh-bro. Don't let it snowball. Yeah. yeah, if you don't – yeah, and that and that's and that's a great point. That, that's the word to use. You don't want this thing to snowball out of control if you're the race. If you give the Astros confidence, it only takes one. Um, you know, Eric and I talked about how hitting is contagious in the game of baseball. It only takes one guy to get you going. Uh, the Rays do get out of the jam with a double play. Uh, so we go to the fourth inning with the Astros leading 3-1 to one, uh, over the Rays during Game 5 of the ALCS. The interesting thing will be, I think going into game, I think it was watching Game 2 of the ALCS, the announcer said that in the postseason, 76% of the Rays runs had come via the homer. So oh, wow. they don't hit long balls, they don't score. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Jeez. Huh. Um, so uh, let me get your prediction. Astros are raised today. Who wins? I know we're in the fourth, but. I mean, having the advantage that I have now probably Strohs. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, because I really want them out. I do not want them in the series. So you're saying because you want them out, they're going to win? Oh, that probably is part of it. It does seem like that's the way things have kind of gone. But, uh, no, I think just, uh. I'm just cheating. The fact that they're up three, it seems like their offense is, is knocking the ball around pretty well. Hmm. Uh, all right. Uh, and then uh, Braves, Dodgers tonight, game four. Who you got? Look, I, I think I, I've been someone that's made fun of Kershaw. I think it's a little bit unfair, his postseason acumen. Um, I, th- I think I'll take the Dodgers. I think the fact that he has been nicked up will do him a favor because I think he has a bad habit of staying in too long. I think I think he'll pitch well. They'll pull him after five or so, and then they'll they'll close it out with their bullpen. Hmm. All right. Close Fair one. Enough. I think they went in a close one. Fair enough. All right. Uh, let's go to break, AJ. Coming back, uh, some coaching moves have been uh, announced, including the Clippers, who have a new head basketball coach. But the question is, is it going to work, and why is it this guy? And when what other openings are still left in the NBA, and who could be going? Uh, we'll also get into a, a really interesting situation with the uh, Ravens-Cincinnati uh, football game that happened. Ravens had a shutout going, and since he kicked a field goal. But what was wrong with that? And is there an unwritten rule when it comes to being shut out in the NFL? 
Uh, we'll also have our pick six later on. AJ's going to be our guest on that. Eric will be back well, hopefully during the 5 o'clock hour. If not, it will just be me and AJ. Uh, that and more here is coming up on Full Court Press on 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. AJ Knight, AJ Salveson with you. I'm filling in for Eric and running the board. So if anything screws up, just I'm just going to take all the blame right now. This guy right here. Fingers no, don't screen. blame yourself. Blame me. It's well, my fault. You're not the one here. How could I blame yeah, you? Yeah, but that's the problem is I'm not there. <laughs> <laughs> that's the freaking problem. Here I am quarantining for absolutely no reason at all. I feel fantastic, uh, by the way. Uh, yeah, I had that too. Not that I want to perpetuate the the uh, thought that it's a hoax because I don't believe that. But, you know, I was stuck in quarantine for two weeks as well, and I felt fine. Yeah, I feel fantastic. So now I'm... Uh, what am I? Uh, what is, isolating in a new location alone? So it's great, I guess. It's just cool. It's wonderful. You know, at least, at least your quarantine happened during the sports season. Can you imagine someone who like quarantined oh, in the month of like June or May? Yeah, man. Woo! Yeah, I would have lost it. Hard pass. <laughs> hey, if you guys want to text into our show to our wonderful listeners, you can do so at four three five three three nine zero three two one. Again, four three five three three nine zero three two one is to text and love to hear from our listeners. Wherever and however they are, uh, we'll have our pick six coming up later on. Uh, we'll get into some high school football. AJ, you called a Mountain Crest win over Hillcrest, along with Matty Ice, Matt Adams, and then you guys get ready for state playoff action. Uh, we have more baseball to be, to be coming up here. Excuse me, to be coming up soon, and uh, some unwritten rules in NFL. So a lot to uh, a lot to get to. Uh, but first, uh, AJ, first and foremost, here we are. Uh, the LA Clippers, who let go of Doc Rivers in a quote-unquote mutually agreed to part ways situation, then decided to go on a nice little coaching search. The problem is, is it seemed like that the Clippers knew who their next guy was going to be all along the whole entire time. And now they have officially agreed to that Ty Lu has agreed to a five-year deal to become the next coach of the Kawhi Leonard slash PG-13-led uh, Los Angeles Clippers. <laughs> That's, I, that statement's I, not entirely true, is it? I don't feel like they're really led by Kawhi Leonard. That's their problem. Ooh, that's saucy. Uh, well, I mean, look, he's he's your team's best player, so that's he's true. led by he's led by them. Yes. Uh, by the way, two seven seven six. Oh, jeez, Bunker Ajay is a vast improvement over in studio Ajay. <laughs> Bunker Ajay's not a bad nickname. I mean, you could you could change No, that don't. AJ, don't bottom. encourage 2776. He's a big fan of you. That's the only reason why he texted that. Well, then he's, he's a big fan of you. He's a very intelligent person. He's a <laughs> his, his opinion had to waver a little bit at the beginning of the show because I had the mics on. I'm trying to figure I'm talking to Will, trying to figure out how to get Ajay on the air. Ah. Come on, AJ. Do your job. I know, right? <laughs> that free agent contract you guys signed me to, I'm not living up to it. <laughs> Thank goodness it was cheap. Cheapest we have in radio biz. <laughs> hey, uh, so give me your thoughts on Tyrone Lou. I feel like this is a, uh, a situation where he could be in just a little over his head. See, I, I have a tough time making this because so LeBron James le won a championship and had like one of the greatest comebacks of all time with Tyrone Tyrone. Lou as the coach, which, by the way, I can't think of the name of the book. I will Google it for you, but there's a book that talks about basically the second LeBron James left Cleveland until they won the championship, and it's all from Cleveland's perspective. Really good. Oh, yeah, I read this book, yeah. Really good. So according to that book, Lou did have a big effect on LeBron during the postseason and, and especially that finals. 
So I will give him the benefit of doubt that he at least knows something in terms of coaching. But in all honesty, I could coach LeBron James, and I feel we're getting to at least the finals. So I have I have a tough time with this because I feel like like LeBron is willing to accept coaching. I don't think Paul George and Kawhi are. So it's more so can you manage their egos? And as a former player, I think that's something Lou maybe can do. He's younger, but I mean Doc Rivers is a former player too. I I don't I don't know. I I really don't know how to grade this one. Yeah, I don't know either. He's forty three years old. He replaces Doc Rivers, who you know really did. I mean, he did fine with the Clippers when he was there, but he just couldn't ever get that one last big win to get into the NBA Finals. He blew several 3-1 leads. Uh, they they lost to the Utah Jazz, who, in a lot of people's opinions, the Clippers were supposed to win that series. I was in the first round, and they lost to those guys. He just couldn't ever finish the job. Now, Chauncey Billups, the good thing about Tyrell Lewis is that he's got experience next to him. Chauncey Billups, yeah. obviously uh, one of the greats uh, who are probably underrated, don't know if he'll ever be in the Hall of Fame, but he's going to be uh, a part of uh, Lou's staff as a head associate coach. The thing is, though, is he's also involved currently in the Indiana Pacers search for a head coaching position. So not completely done there, but that'd be huge for Tyrone Lou to have experience like Chauncey Billups right next to him. Yeah, I mean, you would hope, because I feel like there's always a uh, report that Players respect former players unless they just come with pedigree. So, like, I mean, Phil Jackson, not, he's a bad example. He's a former player, too. But you see, I feel like with, like, the Steve Nash thing, right, you're seeing this transition to more former players as coaches because it seems like in basketball, players feel like they can listen better to someone who's been there, done that. Um, to me, Doc Rivers is overrated as a coach, so I didn't necessarily think letting go of him was the right uh, decision because I think the, the loss of the series is a lot on Kawhi and Paul George. I, I don't know. I, I, I already wrote an article, if you follow the fan on Facebook, I posted that uh, leadership is what's missing from the New Age uh, super teams. It's why, to me, the Clippers and the Brooklyn Nets will never win anything because they have three of the what top five, six players in the NBA and none of them are leaders. So I, I don't know. I don't, I don't think it works. I really don't. Yeah, I don't. I, I like I said, I'm still not entirely convinced that this whole title and situation is going to be a great one. Again, he's going to have to build a very experienced staff. If you could, I still well, Mike Brown's with the Warriors, so that ain't happening. Um, you know who would be really good for him is uh, Igor Koskov, the uh, former head associate to Quinn Snyder in the Utah Jazz. I've heard his um, name a little bit. He's supposed to get a job here, I think, sooner rather than later. Yeah, and if I'm Quinn Snyder, I'm going after him too after I lost Johnny Bryan. Uh, Johnny Bryan heads, o- heads over to be the head associate under Tom Thibodeau in the New York Knicks. Boy, that's going to be... If he if they let Johnny do work, that Knicks team could grow immediately with him at the helm. He's he's so good at his his gig. Um, but, you know, Igor Koskov is another name that comes up to mind. Uh, there was rumors reported, AJ, that uh, Jeff Van Gundy is also in the middle of, uh, of a uh, coaching search, or at least uh, looking to be a head coach. In fact, three predator candidates, according to Tim McMahon, uh, in the Rockets search are, of course, former Knicks and Rockets head coach Jeff Van Gundy, Mavs assistant Steven Silas, and Houston assistant John Lucas. Or, excuse me, John Lucas. This, out of those three guys, I, th- I think it's Jeff Van Gundy, and I don't think it's even close. 
I was going to ask you this. So it seems like the I, I said the new trend is former players, and I think that's kind of how it's tracked with Steve Nash, Tyron Lue, all that. And the other thing, is, for this year at least, it seems like it's the year of the retread. Thibodeau's back in New York. I heard the Van Gundy thing. Here's what worries me. So uh, Gruden came out of the booth in football, and seemingly, you know, I think everyone's riding high after the Chiefs win, and rightfully so, it's a big win. It seems to have eh, doing all right. Basketball, I think the game moves past coaches. I think if you step out, it takes off because of the just sheer power and influence that star players have. And I I don't know. I really don't. Van Gundy, I don't I don't think Thibodeau's gonna work. Uh, I loved him to death as the Bulls coach. Uh, there was reports that even when he had his other stint in Minnesota that the league had just passed him by because his defense is based on packing the paint. And that's what his calling card was with defense, and he was unable to adopt an offense. Van Gundy's been gone a while. I, I don't think it works. Ooh, yeah, interesting. See, I just think with that kind of a squad and Van Gundy at the helm with his brain, boy, that's that's hard to say no to. Um, but not only that, does the Rockets have a change there, but also their GM, Daryl Morey, has stepped down. Um, I'm not. I didn't ever see a clear-cut reason why, but he's decided to step down as a Rockets general manager. So now, not only are you looking for a GM, but you're also looking for a head coach. If you take that GM and hire the head coach, crazy question for you. But do you keep Russell Westbrook on this team? See, that's my. That's what I was going to ask you. Does the GM stepping down mean that somebody comes in and still tries to make this team a winner, or is they going to come in and blow it up? Because to me. Look, I think one of the things that, that Maury absolutely should be remembered for is the fact that when other teams like were like, ah, oh, crap, we can't beat the Warriors, he was like, no, we're going to figure it out. And I, I like that. I think part of it, you know, you kind of – I like that, but you got to give him some blame. He's like, you got to know how to do it reasonably. But he, he always was going for it. Because he was always going for it, this team is in a nightmare situation now. Because i got to be honest with you, Ajay, I think they've about topped out where they are. I don't think they're better than the Lakers. I don't think they're better than the Clippers. I've been on the bandwagon for over a year now. Golden State is going to be a championship contender next year, and I've been on that since the beginning of last year. Uh, <laughs> Denver's going to be better. The Jazz are going to get Bogdanovic back. I mean, I, Houston, to me, second round, and that's it. They ain't getting to the Western Conference Finals. So, But, see, that's the, that's the bad part is because they are talented. And they and, and I mean honestly they are they got James Harden they got Russell Westbrook they need to get a big man they have to get a big man because this whole big man theory or this whole small ball thing as they found out pretty quickly doesn't work Dude. can't do it no. so they need to get a big man to help them out um, if they can do that and they can get a quality productive big man with a quality productive bench big man to back them up they could be re- I, I still think they could be really good I just I I, I think Dan Dan Tony's uh, you know, his run there was running dry. I think his, his offense was becoming stale. Um, I think he was going back to his old ways, back into the 07, 08, ways, which doesn't work anymore in 2020 basketball. It's just, it's a totally different, it's a totally different, uh, era of basketball, if you will. And so I, um, yeah, I, I honestly, I, I, I think without a doubt, Jeff Van Gundy would do great work there. Now, speaking of Van Gundy, his brother Stan Van Gundy is also a candidate for the Pelicans job. Yes or no? No. Me not too. A, not at all. Me too. 
He's had his time. He had that stretch. He he coached the Miami team before uh, Pat Riley came down. I was like, you know what? This needs some O'Reilly, and then he won the championship. And <laughs> and he had his stretch in my, in Orlando that was good. He destroyed Detroit. Uh, I mean, they were already terrible, but his his GM decisions were atrocious. And for, uh, quick backtrack to Houston. Do not make the GM and coach the same one. It doesn't work. Do not do that. It will not work. Van Gundy's done. Honestly, I think they're both done. But uh, Stan absolutely should not coach anymore. He's done. Yeah, I mean, we talked about talents on rosters, and I think the Pelicans are one of those talented roster teams. Uh, you have Zion Williamson, of course. Uh, you have J. Rue Holiday. You've got uh, J.J. Redick. You've got some talent on this team. Don't let that go to waste And by putting in a bad coach. But here's my question then. If Stan Van Gundy isn't the coach, who is your lead candidate for that job? That is a good question. You know what? Somebody who needs a job again that has been in the broadcast booth, and I don't know if he's the right fit, uh, but Mark Jackson needs a job again. I'm with you, dude. And you know what here? You and I are the only ones who think that because the rest of the NBA world just doesn't think I that for some reason. I don't get it. Me neither. I, like, over the Van Gundys, over Thibodeau, I'll take Mark Jackson. I think Mark Jackson. Wait, super. over Jeff Van Gundy? Yes. Absolutely. No way. Oh, are you yes. serious? Yes. Oh, that's bad. No, the game has passed Van Gundy by. That's bad. No. See, dude, I mean, I have some bad ones too, but that's that's a bad that's a bad. Take All right, well, Wednesday. Texas said, Texas said, who would you rather have running your franchise, Jeff Van Gundy or Mark Jackson? Okay, four three five three three nine zero three two one again. Four three five three three nine zero three two one. As AJ said, who would you rather have running your franchise, Jeff Van Gundy or Mark Jackson? It's going to be Van Gundy, dude. Well, we'll see. We'll let the text come in. Maybe we'll take a break. Uh, I don't know if you saw. Le'Veon Bell picked his team. He did? He did. Please be the Patriots. <laughs> All right. So we're going to step aside, see what you text in, whether you'd rather have Jeff Van Gundy or Mark Jackson, and then I will uh, break AJ's heart when we uh, come back with the Le'Veon Bell news. <laughs> oh, you son of a. It's the full court press on 106.9. You son of a. <laughs> You know, that's what this show needs. We need more classic rivalries. I mean, that's what sports as a whole misses, AJ. but this whole you being wrong thing and me coming in and just pounding my chest. <laughs> yeah, that's fan. going that's really well for you right now, by the way. Yeah, text me. It's, you're off to an early lead. Whatever, Atlanta Braves. We'll see how you hold it. <laughs> so, hey, look, you just calm down. That's none of your damn business. You just stick there with your cubs and think about what yeah. you've done. Yeah, that's fair. That's a fair burden. We are, we are atrocious. Hey, 9463, he texts this as Van Gundy by a country mile. The only advantage, he continues, is Jackson has over Van Gundy is street cred. Van Gundy's knowledge of situational basketball is through the roof. 9463, you are the best. Thank you. I appreciate that. 6789, he brings up an interesting one. How about Jock Vaughn? He was the former intern, I believe, or uh, interim head coach uh, for the Brooklyn Nets. Former Jazz point guard back in the day. That's a saw. See, that's one guy who'd do great in Oklahoma City. Yeah, I mean, you and I were talking as uh, we went to break. Uh, I honestly wouldn't mind uh, Oklahoma City or the Pelicans. I think uh, they interviewed. I think the Pelicans did interview Tyron Lue. I'd like to see him and Chauncey Bill, but their experience mold that team. I think they would be 
that would be really good for those young players. Obviously, though, you'd take the Clippers because if you can win a championship, it just you know makes you a better coach. You make more money, et cetera. <laughs> yeah, I I just think a younger squad for Jock Long would be really interesting to handle. They've got a they've got a number of first round draft picks. I believe it's like ten or something throughout the next few years that they could use. And um, yeah, I I, I think it would be uh, I think it'd be pretty. Uh, it was a good spot for Jock Vaughn to, st- to start at, would be in Oklahoma City, um, especially if Chris Paul's there. Yeah, the interesting thing is, is uh, like, how many coaches would you really trust in the NBA with young players? Because it's because it's obviously so win now, and very few teams win with young players. I and mean, we've seen the Lakers just do it this year. And, and obviously, basically, in LeBron's tenure, you just trade, 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 trade. And so, I mean, how many coaches do you really trust? Because I think when they hired... Um, the last coaches there, the Pelicans, uh, his report was he was supposed to be good for young players, and then they were like, and the, the bubble just kind of doomed him. Like, yeah, no, not this guy. Hmm. Yeah, no, that's a great point you bring up. No, that's, that's a really good point you bring up. I got, let me ask you this with along with that, just kind of tagging to that. Chris Paul, you, you asked this question. I, I want to see what you think. Chris Paul is – his contract is just atrocious. It's bad. He doesn't go anywhere, right? Because nobody wants that contract. As good of a leader as he is, no one wants that. Uh, I mean, this is the bad year to want to be traded. I, I don't know that it's it's not just that nobody wants it. Like, I think Oklahoma City would like to move on from him because they really want to get into that rebuild. I think they were pleased to see what he did. But I think that was more Chris Paul um, – Willing the team. Like, the the Bulls signed Donovan, who left OKC, and my dad was asking about it. And I was like, I got to be honest with you. To me, that was more so Chris Paul willing it than the team actually doing anything. So he's got two years left, 41-plus million, 44-plus mil next year. 41-plus this year, 44-plus next year. So that's not cheap. Holy cow. The suppressed uh, salary cap probably not going to help, obviously, with the, the funds being driven down by uh, COVID and all that. I don't know, probably not, because it's just such a huge chunk of change. But I think OKC really wants to lean hard into the rebuild. I'm still surprised that they don't have a head coach yet. Yeah, that is surprising. Do you think they're maybe looking at someone unheralded? I mean, Billy Donovan was kind of a – people have been talking about him becoming an NBA coach for a little bit, but he was kind of a surprise pick. Um, Yeah, I don't – if you're looking for someone heralded, it, I just don't think that's going to happen. No, I, I, I wonder. I wonder if they're looking at a college coach again, maybe. Yeah, that would. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to think what college coach would be interested. Because, I, dude, like, I mean, how many college? I mean, like, they see like the Joe Bellini project where he left Michigan, <laughs> pretty good gig, went to Cleveland, went like everything went down the drain. And he has to re now restore his career and get a get a coaching chance somewhere. Like, man, it's hard to get a coach to leave college. As crazy as that sounds, it really is difficult. More so than it used to be. Used to be, man, college coaches were looking for NBA jobs all over the place. Yeah. Rick Pitino, John Calipari. Yep. Um, but now that just it they've all learned their lesson and they don't want to go back. Yeah, it's tough. Plus, I think the the uncertainty of what uh, the forecast is going to look like for both sports, I think, doesn't help either. But, yeah. Okay, so we're going to take another quick break. I'm going to break Ajay's heart because Le'Veon Bell announced where he intends to sign. 
Andre's got his fingers crossed the Patriots. Bad news. That's not who it is. Dude, I swear to God. If it's the Dolphins or the Bills, I'm going to take this computer and I'm going <laughs> to throw it through my window and then I'm going to... Well, you don't want to know what I'm going to do next. <laughs> the final three choices were Bills, Dolphins, and Chiefs. We'll tell you what that is if you haven't seen it as we get ready to wrap up the first hour. When we come back, AJ Knight, AJ Salveson on the Full Court Press. AJ Knight, AJ Salveson on the Full Court Press on 106.9 The Fan. So, AJ, how bad did you really want Le'Veon Bell on your team? Like, seriously, like, legit question. He has been a huge pain in the butt. The thing about Bill Belichick is he's able to take troubled players, bring them to New England, and fix them, right? He did it with Randy Moss, Corey Dillon, Rodney Harrison, uh, another defensive guy that uh, was having issues, and I can't remember his name. It's not the first quote-unquote project he's had on his team and has turned him into some – oh, Garrett Blount was another one. Uh, Just he takes these guys and he brings them here and he – you know, he treats them like everybody else, and for some reason they buy in. And Le'Veon Bell would have been a great buy-in for a team that is in dire need of a good running game. Sonny Michelle has not been healthy. Rex Burkhead has not been consistent. I would have loved to have Le'Veon Bell. I, I can't argue with your points. Unfortunately, that's not the case because the final three choices were Dolphins, Bills, and Chiefs, and it was just broken uh, across multiple sources, including Adam Schefter. He is going to sign with the Chiefs. Are you serious? With the Chiefs, and I quote, he wants to win a Super Bowl, and he feels like they have the best chance. So what's more of a rig? Kevin Durant going to Warriors or Le'Veon Bell going to the Chiefs? Oh, Kevin Durant. We'll be back with more NFL on the other side of the Full Court Press.